When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the Resident Evil Lorecast, the podcast that will explore the various mediums and lore of the Resident Evil franchise, such as the video games, movies, novels, and more. And here are your hosts, Ariel, Daniel, and Aaron. Got something that might interest you. <laughs> well, welcome back to the Resident Evil Lorecast. I'm your host, Aaron, and joining me are my fellow hosts, Ariel. Hello. And Daniel. Hi there. And we've been gone for a while, unfortunately. <laughs> we've had a lot of snow and a lot of snow trap and Daniel's still not here when we're recording this episode because he's still trapped at home. You can't prove that. <laughs> so, but without further ado, we are here and today we're going to talk about Dark Side Chronicles. Yeah, Dark Side Chronicles. Where we get to meet Krauser. The dick. Yeah, but still, it's pretty <laughs> exciting. So without further ado, let's go ahead and dive in. What do we got first, Daniel? We have the summary of the Dark Side Chronicles, which is more the manufacturing of it. So it is also known as Biohazard, the Dark Side Chronicles. Biohazard, I believe, will be in every Resident Evil game. No. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was first created in Japan. It is an on-rails shooting video game for the Nintendo Wii that was developed by Kavia and Capcom. It was released on November 17th, 2009 for us, and then in Europe, they received it November 27th, 2009. And apparently, in Europe, it was bundled with the Wii Zapper accessory. So, Ariel has the Dark Side Chronicles Wii Zapper, actually. Uh, yeah, I do. It's pretty (laughs) badass. I was trying to figure out for the longest time what game that was from. Now I know. Well, to be honest, I used it playing Umbrella Chronicles, which we're going to go over next Mm -hmm. episode, but... Yeah, it's... Yeah. I love it. <laughs> so anyway, sorry, Daniel. So yes, the it was paired with the uh, Wii Zapper in Europe. Yes. And later on, it came out along with Resident Evil Umbrella Chronicles that were included together in the Resident Evil Chronicles HD collection for the PS3. Oh, so the Zapper made a return. No, no, no. With the bundle. No, just the game. 
Darkside Chronicles was was paired with the Umbrella Chronicles. Oh, okay, okay. Yes. And that is yep. all I have on the summary. <sighs> so, not a whole lot, really. This game really didn't change or pave the way for anything. It, it kind of followed the House of the Dead kind of vibe with this game. I enjoyed it. I mean, it was a good game. You know, both this one and Umbrella Chronicles were really good games. But it didn't really change the dynamics or the play styles of previous Resident Evil games that we've seen. Eh, yeah. Every Resident Evil has its place. <laughs> but of course. <laughs> well, anyway, with all that being said, what do we got next? Let's talk plot. Let's. <laughs> yes. So, this game's plot revolves around the personal stories and tragedies in the series, such as what, um, well, its main focus was Resident Evil 2 and Resident Evil Code Veronica. But it has a third act that ties it all together. So the for the Resident Evil 2 segment, the player takes control of Leon and Claire with Sherry Birkin acting as an escort character in one chapter. You know, same thing. Uh, Code Veronica chapter features Claire, of course, accompanied by fellow prisoner Steve Burnside and later Chris Redfield as we know so I'm going to jump into Operation Javier okay so in 2002 somewhere in South America Leon and his partner Jack Krauser mm-hmm. now before you go any further now this is the only part of the storyline that is canon to the Resident Evil canon lineage correct uh, yeah, I mean, okay. the, some of the stuff in 2 and Code Veronica, yeah, mm-hmm. but it takes its little, you know... It's a little, you know, creative... Spin on it, yeah. yeah. But, yes. Okay. Because you will see this coming up in 4. Okay. Which I cannot wait to discuss. <laughs> but, so, um, him and Krauser were searching for Javier Hidalgo, an ex-drug lord who had been reported to be approaching Umbrella Incorporated. However, when Leon and Krauser reach the nearby village, they discover that the people there have been turned into zombies, normal Resident Evil stuff. Some zombies have the sacred snake's indentation, meaning that they worked alongside Javier. So Leon and Krauser find their guide who, before he dies and has his body taken away by waterbound B.O.W., says that the girl... Manuela brought devils to the village. So, fighting their way past more BOWs, Leon and Krauser eventually find the girl, but have to face the creature that took their village guide. And, of course, they chase it off after Leon shoots the bell tower, which causes it to fall on the creature. So, Krauser asks Leon to tell him everything about his encounters with BOWs. So... The scenario resumes after the Resident Evil 2 scenario. And due to rising water levels, the survivors make their way to the water dam, where Javier and his BOWs await them. Javier releases the 
monsters to attack Leon and Krauser while attempting to retrieve Manuela. And it is revealed by Javier that Manuela is his daughter and that he had been tempering with the T Veronica virus. So, okay. Let's stop here and put everything into perspective. So they get here, they're chasing Javier, run into some BOWs, and Krauser's like, whoa, what the hell is this stuff? I need you to set me straight. So then we go into Resident Evil 2, and we start playing that scenario as a flashback kind of scenario, it seems, mm-hmm. to catch Krauser up on BOWs, and then we jump back into the Javier mission. Yes. And that is where it is revealed that Manuela is none other than Javier's daughter, who he's been experimenting on in true Umbrella fashion to create a B.O.W. with the Veronica virus. Yeah, normal Resident Evil stuff. Okay, yeah, yeah, screwed up stuff. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) So um, they discovered that Manuela had been receiving regular doses of the T. Veronica virus to contain her illness. Okay, that's a new twist. Mm-hmm. And at this point, Krauser finally pledges to Leon that he will view Leon as a worthy partner because Krauser's such an outstanding guy. Uh, soon after, they learn that the reason Javier had been kidnapping young girls is because he was trying to extract organs to perform transla- transplants in order to cure Manuela. And... Then, almost immediately, they are confronted by the gigantic monster that was ambushed that ambushed them back at the church, who they soon learn is actually Manuela's mother, Hilda. Okay. Yep, so keep it in the family. <laughs> Having the same illness as Manuela, she mutated due to the failure to keep the virus in check. Right before dying, she shoots out spikes from her body one of which pierces into the arm of Krauser, wounding him. After defeating Hilda, Javier merges himself with Veronica Plant, becoming the V-Complex. Then he attacks Leon and the injured Krauser. They manage to sever one of his arms, and Manuela assists Leon and Krauser in the battle against her father by using... Veronica at the risk of turning into a monster herself. So brave little girl. Mm-hmm. The three survive and are rescued by a helicopter. The U.S. government takes care of Manuela and Leon and Krauser's story continues in four. <clears throat> so I must admit, number one, I did not play Darkside Chronicles all the way through. I know, I'm a terrible fan. (laughs) Uh, I didn't play it all the way through because I honestly thought it was just another, you know, playthrough two, playthrough Veronica thing. And I was like, "Ah, I've already done that. I don't need to do it again. You know, it wasn't until later on that I learned that it had something to do with what was going to happen in four. So I kicked myself in the keister and, you know, here we are. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I used to own Dark Side Chronicles, but it's it's gone due to some things happening. It's mm. gone. Um, but I find it very interesting that, you know, and we'll go into this more in four, but they linked Dark Side Chronicles and the Spike incident with Krauser's arm to 
what happens in four with Krauser. Yeah, but we'll discuss that mm-hmm. later. So, is that all we have for plot? Um, just want to touch base on a couple things. So, okay. memories of a lost city. This is a scenario in it, but that's the one that uh, retells the events of RE2. Mm-hmm. So, I don't, obviously, I don't want to go into that. We've already discussed it. And Game of Oblivion is a reimagining of Code Veronica. So... Then you get to Krauser's hidden story. Okay. It's a hidden story of the game, which tells the thoughts of Krauser doing during Operation Javier. And this scenario begins immediately after, after Krauser's acceptance of Leon in the middle of the game. As... The trio goes deeper into Javier's hideout. Krauser's faith is shaken when he discovered the background of Leon. As he learns more about Javier's intentions with the virus, he finds himself beginning to accept Javier's way of thinking. This is when Krauser starts going dark. Like, yes, he was a dick, but he wasn't. This is when he starts going dark. So... After his arm is injured during the fight against Manuela's mutated mother, Krauser's feelings of uselessness and embarrassment grow as he finds himself having to rely on Leon. He begins worrying about what will happen to him after the completion of the mission with his wounded arm, and he could easily be discharged from the military. And during the final battle against the mutated Javier... Krauser sees Manuela using the power of the T. Veronica virus to fight her father. The demonstration of the T. Veronica virus further convinces Krauser that the dark side is the path he has to take, especially since he believes that the military will throw him aside once they learn of his injury. So, after the mission is completed... Krauser discovers that there is no way to heal the damage done to his arm, and soon afterwards, he begins searching for Albert Wesker, seeking the chance to repair his arm and gain more power. <clears throat> I love the fact that this game is titled Darkside Chronicles, and the whole time you're thinking, why? And it is titled this because and it makes sense once you play the hidden story mode of Krauser that it's it's an entire it's basically his origin it's him choosing to the dark side yep which is it's incredible once again Capcom we applaud you for your story making abilities this is incredible yeah (laughs) but with all that being said I think it's time for us to go to a mid-break. All right, and here we are in the mid-break. It's very middly in here. <laughs> so, Daniel, what'd you bring for us today? All right, so I have something that especially Ariel's going to like. Oh, boy. So, on Redbubble... Dot com, you can get an, a Leon Kennedy 
the face, in quotes, Resident Evil 2 throw pillow, and the look on his literal face is hilarious. Uh, yeah, it really is. He had sent me the link to it, and oh my god. It's the meme face. (laughs) (laughs) So it's 16 by 16 inches, and you can get just the cover, or you can get the cover and insert, which the cover runs $22.19, and the cover and insert is $29.94, and it is... I'm telling everybody it's hilarious. So get it and share it with all your friends that love Leon. (laughs) (laughs) It's a perfect Christmas present, right, Daniel? (laughs) Exactly. So we will link that in the show notes, Discord, wherever you get your merch info from us. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, Ariel, what'd you bring for us today? Well, I read an article. Oh, boy. Much like I always do. Oh, of course. And I know we cover Resident Evil 4 a lot. I'm sure you're annoyed listening to me covering (laughs) it. But it popped up. I thought it was interesting, so I'm going to share it with you. So it's on IGN. And the article name is Resident Evil 4 Creator Hopes the Rumored Remake Improves His Story. And I found it intriguing. Mm. So, uh, Resident Evil 4 has been long rumored to be getting a remake, as we already know. And the original game's creator wants to see it improve on his story, which he says he was forced to write in just three weeks. Excuse me? Yes. The story of Resident Evil 4, which is massive, detailed, everything, he did in three weeks. Okay. So here's what I'll say. The story and plot lines, I can truly, when you truly sit down to evaluate Resident Evil 4, I can see what he's talking about because though everything nice and neat and tied together, it's not a whole lot of info drops like we're used to in the Resident Evil, 4, you know, Resident Evil series. Um, it is pretty much a very linear storyline. Like you find things out as you go kind of thing and there's no hidden twists or really any secrets until... Well, really ever in the entire, you know, storyline of Resident Evil 4. Hmm. Debatable. (laughs) Other than deaths, I mean, there's not really any plot twists. My heart was ripped out when Lewis died, but we're not going to talk about that. We're not. So... Um, Just to continue a little bit more, during an interview, Shinji Mikami said that fans will most likely want a remake, and so that's a good thing. It would be great if Capcom could do a a great job and make the story better and put out a good product. Mm -hmm. So I like that he um, is hoping that they improve on the story. Yeah. You know, it's not a, oh they're taking my story and they're going to butcher it. No, like he's very optimistic and I love that. So I just wanted to share that. Plus the fact that I didn't know that he only had three weeks to do that. So I know (laughs) it's still an incredible story to have been done in three weeks. Uh, Yeah. That's what threw me through a loop. (laughs) So yeah, that's the end of it. I'll put it in the show notes, mm-hmm. all that. So this week I've actually brought two things. 
So the first thing is on Etsy, and it is done by Space T. Now that's Space T-E-A-A. And it is a Rosemary Winters Resident Evil Village LED flask. That's right. You can own your very own piece of Rosemary Winters. (laughs) Um, It is priced at $70.60. It is in stock right now. And this thing is pretty cool. Um, LEDs are great. The details on it are fantastic. The care that's put into this product, it it just looks spectacular. So if you're looking to get your hands on a Resident Evil Village Rosemary Flask, here's your opportunity. It's not bad priced, especially for hand craftsmanship. So the links will be in the show notes for that. And the other thing I wanted to bring up was our Discord. Okay, so we I know we briefly talk about our Discord, you know, multiple times here and there, but I really wanted to share something with everyone. Currently in our Discord community, we have someone named the Drunk Pug, and they are constantly posting artwork that they have created, tattoo artwork, and it is fantastic. It's all tattoos that they've created based on the Resident Evil series, and these things are beautiful. Uh, I've posted some of the artwork on our Twitter and I just had to give a shout out because it's it's fantastic artwork. It truly is beautiful. You can tell the amount of detail and time that's been put into these things. And, you know, credit is due. So let's give it. Yeah, it's fucking phenomenal. <laughs> yeah. um, today, actually, we just, you know, we record these early on in the week. And today I just got sent through the Discord a picture of Hunk. And it's incredible. It's really well done the details are just i can't say enough nice things it's fantastic job so if you're listening fantastic job we really appreciate it keep sending us artwork you should do the (laughs) executioner (laughs) and the other one i wanted to give a shout out to is i've been recently contacted by a fan on twitter and again incredible um And I'm going to spell it out because I cannot pronounce this, um, but it is at K-E-S-O-U-I-I. And they have created a beautiful image that hopefully we can share with you soon um, based on the RE Lurecast. So, again, we love seeing these things. You create something, send it to us. We love seeing them. We love bragging about you. We love bragging about your artwork. You're all incredible people. You're all incredible fans, and we love you all. So I just wanted to give a shout out to those those two fantastic pieces of art. I mean, it's fantastic. Yeah, y'all are fucking great. <laughs> love it. But with that being said, we also, while we're on the thank you train, we need to thank our patrons. So we got to give a huge thank you to our all-access patrons, Chris Slate and Remington Cloutier, and our official patron, Anthony Bellotti. So, (laughs) thank you all. You're all wonderful. You help keep this going. It's fantastic to know we have fans that really want to support us, and it's fantastic to know that we have fans that love listening to us. You know, if you can't get to the Patreon, that's fine. Just listening and sharing with friends is enough. So, to everyone, thank you. You're all wonderful and freaking love you. 
<laughs> I was going to do the thank you train, but it sounded ridiculous. No, you need to do the thank you train right now. Thank you. <laughs> sounded like a whale. Oh, goodness. And with that being said, let's go ahead and dive into the end of the episode. Well, here we are back for the end of the show. So we've discussed our plot. We've discussed a synopsis. What do we got left, Daniel? Well, right now we have B.O.W.'s if everybody wants to hear the new ones and some reoccurring enemies. So we have some returning champs. Yes. So most (laughs) of the enemies from both Resident Evil 2 and Code Veronica are back in this game. So those really don't need to be mentioned as far as it's a big list if you want me to list them out. But <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's hear our list. You want me to go through the list? Yeah, let's hear it. All right. You asked for I it. I want to know who our returning champs are. So you have the basic zombie, mm-hmm. Cerberus, the G-Zombies, the Lurkers, the Lickers, Giant spiders. Giant moth, one of Ariel's favorite because it's an insect. Gross. I have to consult my list as well. The Bandersnatch. The Black Widow, which is just a larger spider. The Normal Moth. The Hunter 2, which is also known as a sweeper. The Hunter Y. The Plague Crawler. Aaron's favorite, the crows. <laughs> Cockroaches, another one of Ariel's. Oh, gross. As well as ants. Ew. <laughs> and let's see here. As far as, like, boss enemies, you have the giant alligator, uh, the T-103 and the T-00. William Birkin, the gulp worm, the T-103. Nosferatu and the G is what they call it which should be one of the mutants that is the returning enemies so that is a very lengthy list <laughs> that's, that's just the returning champs that's just, so who's our new champs so let me start with I would say lowest power to maybe best. Alright, the Javier zombies are a variety of zombie which have emerged from a second set of mutations brought on by the V-ACT process. The T-virus strain responsible is not known, but may have been developed at the Kakaskis Laboratory as its recipient, Javier Hidalgo purchased orders from there. Javier zombies are similar to Crimson Heads, encountered during the mansion incident, but are less violent to allow marketability as bioweapons. So there's not much difference other than that they are less violent than normal Crimson Heads. Okay. Alright, we also have the Piranha, which... Let's see here is already dangerous in its own right before you add the T-Virus. They are bred to be fighting fish and were used by Javier Hidalgo as death penalties against traitors. Compared to the Neptune, 
these have little improvements, namely that they could glide on the water and were able to survive for a time on land. They were also more aggressive that, as it was heightened by the T-virus in their system. So you have water gliding, land walking piranhas. That sounds terrifying. Because normal piranhas weren't enough. Thanks, Umbrella. <laughs> exactly. Let's just add the T-virus to anything that needs it. Another one for Ariel is the Jumping Maneater, which is a South American spider-based B.O.W. And it's optimized for hot and humid climates. And it was in active production sometime before 2002. Let's see here. And unlike their web spinner counterparts, which were in production in 1998, the jumping man-eater was able to disperse webs from its spinnerets at prey. So basically it's Spider-Man. With prey entangled in the webbing, this ability was given to the BOW the chance or with prey entangled in the webbing, this gave the BOW the ability to deal the final blow to its prey. The jumping man-eater was based on a South American jumping spider to allow its specialization in jungle-based warfare. If Umbrella could just stop with the spiders already, that would be great. Resident Evil 9, people. All spiders. <laughs> Alright, next we have the Jabberwock S3. The Jabberwock S3 was an experimental biological weapon series produced by an unnamed rival of Umbrella that was also developing BOWs during Umbrella's time. Drug Lord Javier Hidalgo purchased some stock of this sometime before the US government's investigation into him in 2002. So not only do we have Umbrella creating these BOWs, we have this other place that Hidalgo is getting BOWs from. see here as far as it goes the bow borrows some of its attributes from one of umbrella's failed prototypes the bandersnatch though the properties of the t veronic virus have enhanced it showing numerous similarities to the mutation that steve burnside underwent it has eight sickle shaped arms three of which are reduced in size that possess unparalleled strength and in its defensive form, it uses these arms to cover its body, defending its exposed heart, making bullets mostly useless against it. It has a higher level of intelligence and thus can understand commands and can carry out its duties under a variety of circumstances. Wonderful. Exactly. And this was... I just love how Umbrella continues to be like, we made something terrifying. But it's not terrifying enough. Let's go one step further. Well, remember, this was Umbrella's rival. The oh, yeah, it was, wasn't yes. it? Yes, so they created yeah. something better. <laughs> <laughs> that really pissed Umbrella off. <laughs> More than likely. That's probably why we have Resident Evil 4. <laughs> we have the Anubis. This is a new B.O.W., developed by Umbrella this time as a replacement for the Hunter. It was created from a bat with insect DNA and the T-virus implanted in its body. The resulting mutations stripped away most of Anubis's skin, musculature, and organs while increasing its size, durability, and aggression. 
Tiger. As such, it can jump and move with surprising speed while still possessing incredible skeletal strength. It skillful, skillfully uses its talon-like claws to scale walls and ceilings and can assault its victims from these vantage points. So basically you have a bat insect thing that can now climb walls and jump down on you. And you know, I'm deeply disappointed that we haven't seen this thing again in the series since Dark Side Chronicles. It even says it's a low-cost B.O.W., so it doesn't sound like it even costs that much to make. Hmm. We're going to have to explore why some of these B.O.W.s didn't get used multiple times Be- in another episode. Because Umbrella made them, that's why. <laughs> so now we have two of the... Well, actually... Now we have the Ivy plus YX. There is a variation of the Plant 43 that was also developed by Umbrella as a bioorganic weapon. The BOW, this BOW variant was manufactured by Umbrella for sale on the black market. Javier Hidalgo was one of the customers that acquired these creatures. While similar in appearance, to Plant 43, this ivy has a much more humanoid appearance, particularly in the lower portion of its body. Its methods of attack are also identical to Plant 43. As a result of the genetic combination of a human gene, it has legs resembling those of a human, granting it much more advanced movement ability over the original ivy. These legs allow it to move faster than the average ivy, removing the lack of mobility bottleneck which plagued the original subjects. So basically, we just have a walking plant BOW. Because the stationary giant ones weren't enough, let's make this one move. (laughs) First we got zombies, now we got insects, now we got plants. (sighs) And the last BOW I'm going to go over is the V-Complex, which we kind of touched on. It was an enormous monstrosity that was created after the Veronica plant had merged with Javier Hidalgo. The V-complex was capable of reproducing asexually. The subordinate organisms produced from its body could fly and would aggressively defend the complex. The T-virus, the T-Veronica virus can become extremely active under elevated temperatures and humidity causing less controlled mutations than in the cold Antarctic environment. This makes the V-complex much larger and monstrous than Alexia Ashford, Steve Burnside, and Alexander Ashford's mutated forms. If the complex hadn't been destroyed, 60% of the Amazon could have been contaminated within 48 hours. Now that's incredibly freaking terrifying to think about. Yeah, imagine that outbreak. 68% of the Amazon... No. Just think about the amount of creatures in the Amazon rainforest. Yeah, we'll have more BOWs. Un, <laughs> unwarranted BOWs. Uncontrolled BOWs. That's that's the key here. It would have been completely uncontrollable and unknown the amount. I think this is what would have taken the outbreak near worldwide. Because how often do we use Amazon, so for everything true but that is all I have on new and old BOWs 
So, some things I want to point out about this game before we go any further. Number one, we have to talk about the fact that the competitor was featured in this game, correct? Yeah. So, we get no name for the rival that's involved in this game. And we also have to think that all of these events take place in 2002, which is only a few years after the Raccoon City incident. Yes. So that's incredible when you think about it, because a lot of these B.O.W.s were utilized in the Raccoon City incident. And a rival company already has the information, which can we can safely assume by that assumption that Ada is the reason this company has the information. Oh, Ada. <laughs> but anyway, I just wanted to get that out there because that's been plaguing my mind as this story has been going on. I'm sitting here going... Ada probably gave information to the rival competitors. But anyway, so what do we got next to talk about? Characters. And oh my, this is a long list of characters. Is it? It is. So let me just list the characters off first. We have Leon Kennedy, Claire Redfield, Ada Wong, Sherry Birkin, William Birkin, Annette Birkin, Hunk, Brian Irons, Marvin Branagh, Ben Bertolucci, Robert Kendo, Steve Burnside, Chris Redfield, Albert Wesker, Alfred Ashford, Alexia Ashford, Jack Krauser, Manuela Hidalgo, Javier Hidalgo, and Hannah. So, yeah, long list of characters in this. But clearly not going to cover the ones we've already covered because that would just be redundant (laughs) so let's start off with Krauser yeah he's deceased because Leon killed him no actually it was Ada that killed him but we won't discuss that so Jack Krauser was an agent for the third organization during the War on Terror and a supporter of Dr. Wesker. Within Silverdax, he was forced into retirement after the 2002 mission with Leon. And during his employment within the organization, Krauser took part in the infiltration. Nope, that is part of four. Um... Jack Krauser was an experienced soldier within the United States Army, having led many successful operations. During his days off, Krauser often participated in mercenary work, as he felt that he cannot function within normal society, which, yeah, he can't, and thus believed that combat situations and being in the military is what gave his life meaning. So, you know, the rest goes over what happens in Darkside Chronicles, and then further what happens in four so i'm definitely not covering that yet we can discuss that more in four so that's a little bit on jack krauser so let's just say this about jack he had a very sad prior existence if he thought the only thing that gave him purpose in life was the military it's like the way i picture uh krauser is he's just a meathead Okay, I can see that. Now I don't feel bad for him. (laughs) Like, yeah, I have to be the biggest, baddest, strongest, and, you know, all of that. He just, Mm -hmm. 
<laughs> I don't want to rip on him too much. I actually like Jack Krauser in his own little way. So um, next I'm going to talk about Manuela. So Manuela was born around 1986 to the master criminal Javier Hidalgo and his wife Hilda in the area surrounding the isolated South American village. While her father and the sacred snakes controlled the very lives of the local villagers, Manuela and her mother were kept in his mansion far away in safety and were left unaware of his dealings. While when Manuela was only five years old in 1991, her mother contracted an incurable disease and was administered the T-virus by Javier in an attempt to save her. While Hilda remained alive, the virus completely transformed her into a monster, as we know. And Javier sheltered, the, sheltered Hilda in a private residence and told Manuela that she died. In 2001, Manuela was diagnosed with the same illness that affected her mother 10 years earlier, causing her health to rapidly deteriorate. Not prepared to lose his only daughter, Javier and his men began dealing with Umbrella. And that's, you know, where he got samples of the T. Veronica virus were purchased. And, you know, he did the same thing to Man Manuela. But the virus also had a major flaw. It could take over the host's body and mutate horrifically. Taking this into account, Javier's gang began kidnapping local girls of a similar age to his daughter and harvested their organs. And they were put into Manuela to stop the virus from taking over. And Manuela survived the treatment and took regular transplants until 2002. Could you imagine having all of your organs continuously replaced? Not to mention the amount of <sighs> round-the-clock care you would need doing that. I mean, that is an incredibly depressing way for a little girl to live. With the, I know. With the failed attempts, if the organs don't take, if you're not the correct mm -hmm. blood type. Right, and she was also kept in the dark of this. She was. The, when she found out um, how the doctors were curing her illness... She, along with that and the news about, you know, all the women that were killed to keep her alive and um, the knowledge of the mutagen's existence within her body, she ran away. I mean, I would too. <laughs> yeah. And... Yeah, that's just... Whew. So that's Manuela. Poor kid. Yeah, because then what happens after she runs away mm -hmm. is when they find her, blah, blah, blah. So, Jesus, that was sad. Yeah. So uh, the last one I'm going to cover is Javier Hidalgo. And, of course, he's the leader of the drug cartel, the Sacred Snakes. So, uh, Javier took de facto control over a large area of the jungle and wanted to expand his territory. He ruled the entire area absolutely. 
the small government that was unable to do anything about him and his uh, drug trade. Just couldn't, couldn't do it. And the United States and states and other nations learned of the fact that he possessed bioweapons. And that's when Jack and Leon were called in to find him. And, like, he was just... Not only was he, like, the leader of this gang and all the drug trades, he was a very, very cruel man to everyone except his daughter and wife. He treated them well, kept them safe. But anybody else he was extremely, extremely cruel to. And... He was just... He was just this mastermind. I feel like Umbrella... Sorry. I feel like Capcom... Talking about too many companies now. (laughs) I feel like Capcom got the inspiration for this character from another drug lord that's real. Oh, I'm sure. Yes. (laughs) So, um, the rest about him is just everything we've covered. How he tried to save his wife with the um, with her illness and then how he tried with Manuela and then this time he decided to use her um, use other girls' organs to keep her alive so the virus doesn't take over and then of his mutation and you know all of that so I'm not gonna dive into that what we've already discussed so those are our characters for Dark Side Chronicles so before we go any further, what I mean when I say they got inspiration from another drug lord, what I mean is they got inspiration, I feel like, from either Pablo Escobar or like a combination of all the infamous drug lords, because this sounds like a typical drug lord you would see in a horror, or like an action movie or something. I feel like it would be like the, like all of them kind of pushed together. Yeah, I, not like a. I'm pointing fingers because that's dangerous to do. <laughs> Just uh, you know what? This is what your typical drug lord seems like. You know, yeah. loves his family, hates everyone else. Yeah. So, I number one, Javier is seems like a total dick. But you know, we've seen this multiple times in Resident Evil series where a parent or you know someone has a loved one impacted by something and they go the extra mile to try to use the virus to save them. You've seen it in the games. We've seen it in the movies. We've seen it in the books. You know, we've seen it countless of times through the Resident Evil franchise. And it never ends well. (laughs) I know. But I don't know if you were put in that. This is a good question. Like Mm -hmm. if you were put in that situation where your kid was going to die not even would your kid, you? just a loved one. Well, yeah. Loved one. Would you? I think that's a good topic for discussion on the discords and Twitters. Of course. I'm not going to go into a full <laughs> discussion. I was just saying it was a good question. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hit us up. Let us know. That is a very good question. But on that note, we've talked about characters. We've talked about BOWs. And now it's time to talk about... Easter eggs and unlockables. Woohoo! So, I I did a lot of digging, 
and I haven't found any sort of reliable information regarding Easter eggs on this. So I'm, I will continue to dig, and if I happen to find some Easter eggs, I will bring them up in future episode. But the Easter eggs that I have found, they don't seem very reliable, and I haven't been able to find them myself in the game. So I'm not going to mention them. <laughs> but what I do want to uh, mention are some alternate endings for Operation Javier. So perform the following actions on Operation Javier Chapter 5 for the alternate ending. The good ending, beat it, beat it fast so Manuela does not lose a lot of blood. Or, if you want the sad ending, beat it really slow so, Manlu Man so Manuela loses a lot of blood. I don't know why anybody would want the sad ending, but you can get it that way. <laughs> um, you can also beat the boss in Chapter 5 quickly and save your friend to unlock Chapter 6 and 7. So, these are some just little unlockable alternate endings. Not so much Easter eggs, but they are unlockables. Um, in order to get the bonus scenario, you need to, which is Krauser's bonus scenario, you need to complete Operation Javier in under 10 minutes. So if you complete the entire thing under uh, 10 minutes, you get Krauser's bonus scenarios. Um, some of the unlockables you can get in this game are the linear lock the linear launcher which is complete the game on hard mode um, you can unlock some costumes which is Chris's Caucasus outfit you have to beat Operation Javier chapter 5 on normal Krauser's mercenary outfit beat Operation Javier chapter 5 on normal Leon's agent outfit beat Javier chapter 7 on hard and Leon's RPD outfit beat Operation Javier chapter 7 on hard now, there's a few more unlockables. So, you can unlock very easy mode by obtaining the title Don't Give Up. And this, you get this by dying and choosing to continue 10 times on easy. So, they're like, You died too many times. Do you want to do like very easy mode? Um, you can unlock very hard mode by completing all Chronicle chapters on hard. And you can unlock Tosu Tofu Survivor mode. Uh, by completing all Chronicles chapters. Um, you can unlock... There's a few more outfits you can unlock. Uh, you can unlock the Detective Biker out and Biker outfits. Uh, the Detective outfit, and this is for Leon. You can unlock the Detective outfit by completing Operation Javier 1 through 5 with an S rank on normal difficulty. And the Biker outfit by completing Memory of the Lost City 1 through 8 with an S rank. You can also unlock... Mm, I can't speak tonight. You can also unlock some costumes for Claire, which is the undergraduate and prisoner by unlock... by completing all the game of Oblivion chapters. And the biker outfit, Memories of the Lost City 1 through 8 with S rank. Uh, and her western outfit, 1 through 7, uh, Game of Oblivion with S rank on normal difficulty. Chris also has the prototype and sheriff costumes, which the prototype is the default costume. So, you know, you don't really unlock that one. It's kind of given to you. But the sheriff costume is complete Operation Javier 7 
with S rank on normal difficulty. Um, you can also unlock some costumes for Steve Burnside. Uh, it's only really one, which is the Western outfit, and it's completing the game of Oblivion's one through seven with an S rank on normal difficulty. So there's some of your unlockables. And, you know, I don't I'm sure there are some hidden Easter eggs in there and I'm going to continue to dig. Um, but, you know, right off the top, right off the surface, there's not a whole lot. But we do get a whole lot of unlockables for this game. Yeah, unlockables. <laughs> well, with all that being said, I think it's time for us to bid our lovely audience adieu. Right after the ratings. Ah, I was hoping we get out without those. <laughs> I'm giving the Dark Side Chronicles a five out of five Leons because I thoroughly enjoyed this game. I thoroughly enjoyed the story. All of the characters, all the BOWs, everything all wrapped up into one. So when we first get introduced to Krauser, loved it all. It is a pretty good game. Uh, Daniel, what'd you think? I am going to go with four out of five Rebecca's just because it was one I probably didn't play too much of after playing it. Um, Story-wise, it was good, but I wasn't much in there for me, like other than the story. You know what I mean? Mm. Yeah. It just didn't catch your fancy. No. I'm going to give it four out of five as well. And my reasoning is not too different from Daniel's, Um, though. It's a really good game and you should run out and play it uh, as I have recently. (laughs) Um, My thing was, is I really wish they would have focused more on a new storyline than rather than trying to adapt and change some things in old storylines. You know, we don't need to revisit the same storylines we've revisited multiple times at this point when this game is released. It, you know, it just kind of feels redundant at this point. Really just kind of hit home with the dark side aspect of it. I think it would have been just fine. I can see your point, but it's wrong. <laughs> it's the best part about opinions. You don't have to agree. Yeah, unless you're wrong. (laughs) Oh, gosh. All right. Well, with all that being said, thank you for listening. Bye. Bye. Thanks for joining us tonight on the Resident Evil Lurecast. We hope you enjoyed it. If you did, tell a friend. Leave a comment and review. If you want to keep chatting with us about all things Resident Evil, you can find us on the Robots Radio Discord. You can also chat with us at... RE Lurecast on Twitter. Till next time, stay safe out there. And remember, we might have something that might interest you, stranger.